Yet, yet, what? My people do not know. It seems that we are not even as smart as the stork or the crane or the swallow. We just live our days, you know, in a kind of, a, um, you know, just as if, as if every day is the same, every day is uh, business as usual, without any kind of uh, consciousness, any kind of uh, alertness, that we are living, actually living in a very, very critical time. Yeah. Amen. I'm very burdened for this, brothers and sisters, uh, tonight, that all of us here, uh, <clears throat> by the Lord's sovereign arrangement, yes. Um, he brought us here. Uh, some may have grown up in this area, but I think probably maybe 80% or more of the, of the saints here moved here, uh, brought here. And uh, we need to know uh, why we are here. And we need to know uh, what is this particular times that we are living here. If we have any kind of uh, sensation in our spirit, we should know that uh, uh, we are living at the end in the end times. We are living toward the end of this age. Amen. Right? Amen. I believe you are. Uh, 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 if you don't agree, that uh, you must be blind. Uh, you must be uh, somehow um, uh, blindsided by something. Uh, I mean, even people in the world, looking at today's world situation, uh, you know, it, it, the whole world today is just a mess. That's right. Yeah. But our burden is not so much concerned uh, how the world is, uh, how messy the world is, but our, our burden is related to God's economy. Amen. Right? God's eternal purpose, God's way, God's plan. And we need to know the times. And even as the Lord Jesus told his disciples or the, uh, the, 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 the Pharisees that you, you can discern the weather, right? You see a, the sky is red, now you know it's a, a good day. And, uh, uh, but you cannot discern the season. You cannot discern the times today. So I hope brothers and sisters in these days living in the Lord's recovery... We should, have, we should ask the Lord to give us this kind of sensitivity, this kind of realization, alertness, that we know, we would know what kind of time are we living in. <clears throat> and in the, I like the verses in Romans 13. Uh, in verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, And this... Knowing the time, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to be raised from sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Amen. The night is far advanced, and the day has drawn near. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the weapons of light. Let us walk becomingly, as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in fornication and licentiousness, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ yeah, and make yeah. no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Even as Paul says, saints, knowing the time, it is already the hour for you to be raised from sleep. <clears throat> now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. This was spoken nearly 2,000 years ago, and uh, 
Well, this word is still is still being fulfilled uh, with God. We know a thousand years is as one day, and nearly two days have passed. Right, and this day, this word is it is being fulfilled. Um, let me go on to point A says, in the eyes of God, there are primarily, primarily three groups of people. One, you have the people of Israel, the Jews today. And number two, you have the church, the, the saved ones, the regenerated ones. And number three, you have the nations of the world, the Gentiles. These are the mainly, the whole world is composed of these three groups of people. Right? Either you are the people of God, the Jews, or you are the believers, the Christians, the believers, or you are the Gentiles, just the nations of the world. To be up to date with the Lord, we need to know the times of this age, especially the situations related to these three groups of people. The crucial events related to these three groups of people, <clears throat> firstly, with Israel, there was the restoration of the nation of Israel in 1948. Amen. After a Babylonian king came to invade Jerusalem, back in 606 B.C., for over 2,500 years, the nation of Israel had been under the rule, the ruling of uh, the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, in 1948, the news came that the nation of Israel was formed. And that was, there was a miracle. After 2,500 years of no country, and all of a sudden, the leaf began to sprout. Right? The fig tree began to sprout. The nation of Israel was born. You know, recently, even I read some article <coughs> that, uh, uh, you know, some studied about this, and it's very, very, it's very interesting that, uh, you know, calculating all the years from the time Cyrus because from 606, Babylon came to capture Jerusalem, and then they were, God's people were in captivity for 70 years, right, in Babylon. And then in 5, 536, that's when Cyrus got stirred up in his spirit, right, by God, to, uh, uh, to, to have a decree that to release God's people to go back to Israel, to, to Jerusalem. Right, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the city. And <clears throat> anyway, the article actually counted, you know, there were um, uh, God's curse on his people for how many years, for, and how many years, every, every day for one year. Uh, anyway, like there was a calculation, and leading to the year 1948. Mm. Oh. Leading to 1948. And, uh, of course, that took place the, uh, in the month of July, I believe, the, uh, 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 the nation of, of Israel. It's very interesting. Anyway, just a, as a sidebar, just uh, that, that rebirth of the nation of Israel was not an accident. Amen. It was a fulfillment of a, pro of a prophecy. And then... Following that, 19 years later, in 1967, again, as a miracle, in, as a result of the Six-Day War, right. Jewish, the Jews were way outnumbered, the Syrians, and uh, they fought, and they 
they, they were nearly, you know, to be, they were nearly defeated. But God was with them. God was with his Hallelujah. people. Amen. With a small number. They, they, they won the battle. They regained Jerusalem back from uh, 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 the Gentile rule the, to gain back Jerusalem. They were, they were, they was under the Arabs' uh, 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 rule at that time, and they, they, they get it back. And, uh, you know, the brothers told us, you know, Brother Lee at that time was in the hospital, or he was in the hospital in bed, and a brother went to see him and uh, broke the news to him, Brother Lee, Jerusalem was returned back to the Jews. <laughs> Brother Lee got off his bed and knelt down and prayed. Wow. That was, that was how significant that was to him. When he, when he saw that happen, he realized this is not an accident. He worshiped the Lord right there at his bed with his brother. He knelt out and prayed. Amen. That was a sure indication of another step of the fulfillment of his word toward his coming. This has happened already. This is already over, you know, half a century. And uh, <clears throat> uh, with the nation of Israel, of course, now they are uh, secretly in preparation to rebuild the temple. You know, this is uh, 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 known. It is that they're just waiting for the right moment. Mm -hmm. But this is the situation with the nation of Israel. And then with the nations in the world, saints, actually this should be... This should be quite evident to us if yeah. you would just open your eyes, listen, listen to the news, you know, read some news. Here and there you know what, is, what kind of a world are we in today, right? There are wars and rumors of wars. There are famines and earthquakes various places. And lawlessness are being multiplied every day. Yeah. You look at, uh, you know, you look at the, uh, uh, you know, in Genesis 16, verse 12, there was a God's prophecy concerning Ishmael that he will be like a wild ass, just pushing everywhere, making trouble to everyone, and everyone is, is disturbed by him. Who is this Ishmael? He is the father of all the Arabic people. And today... You know, surely there's the, uh, the terrors being uh, everywhere in the world, troubling everywhere. This is the wild ass, as prophesied there in Genesis, causing trouble to every people, disturbing every people. And then you have also uh, in the prophecy in Ezekiel 38 concerning Gog and Magog, Right? There is a, a prince over Gog uh, that uh, the prince of Rosh, of uh, Meshach, and Tubal. Right? If you read that, there is a, which is referring to Moscow, similar as the same as Moscow today. And uh, 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 Meshach. In Moscow, in Rush, Rush is Rush, Russia, 
You read the footnotes, it's all in the footnotes. Right? <laughs> it's not enough for me. You know, and Tubo, you have a to I think that's a this a city, the capital of Siberia. Uh Tolosk. Anyway, I forgot how this anyway. Is the word mentioned that in the end times you have Gog and Magog will be uh, ca causing much trouble of rebellion you know, on this earth and cause rebellion in the nation to be against God and to persecute God's people. And you look at today in what's happening in Ukraine, in Russia, uh, the arrogance uh, of the leader, and uh, what's going on there. And saints, all these are happening right before our eyes, right? This is the world that we live in. And is lawlessness is being multiplied day after day, right? And it's more to come. It's more to come. And beside these natural calamities, right, earthquakes and famines and flood and so forth. So... <clears throat> And number, number three, with the church. How about on the church side? Well, I began from the Reformation under Luther. That's in the early 1500s, about 1520 or so, when God raised the Martin Luther and, uh, to carry out the Reformation from, I think it was, 19, uh, was uh, uh, 15, 1517. That's when he first nailed the 90 Thesis on the, on the door uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, protest against uh, the uh, Catholic Church. And that took place just, just not that long after Columbus discovered the, the new land. Columbus discovered the new land at the end of 1400s, just before the 1500 mark. And that was a great, great era, right? And shortly after that, God raised up Martin Luther to unlock, to, to, to release God's people from a thousand years of slavery under the religious darkness, under, under Catholicism, right? You have, to, you have to agree that was God's doing. God's people has been held back in darkness under Catholicism. For that thousand years of dark ages, and now the Lord through Martin Luther uh, not only recovered this truth of justification by faith, but he recovered the open Bible to allow the commoners, the common believers, to be able to read the word directly without going through any kind of intermediaries. This is very significant. Right? And this is the Reformation movement. That was the, I would say, beginning, I would say, is a, is a major step. It's a beginning of a major step of the Lord's recovery work on this earth. And following that, you have uh, uh, the inner life Christians. Right? These are the ones uh, represented by. Uh, Sister Madame Guyon, Father Fenella, and many of as a result of uh, the deadness of Christianity, even though uh, Martin Luther 
had a great start, but not too long after that, uh, the believers fell into a kind of a routine, into a kind of deadness. That was the deadness of Sardis, right? Tip of, uh, uh, prophesied there in Revelation, the deadness of God's people. And now as a reaction of that deadness, God stirred up the seeking among some uh, genuine believers to seek after uh, the inner life, the deeper experience and knowledge of life. And that period is about in the middle of 1600s, 1640 or so. That's when the Lord raised up these ones, uh, like Madame Guyon and the others. That was a, a great, uh, also is part of the Lord's recovery work, right? And further, that's on, mostly on the individual side, but then in the early 1700s, about 1722, that God raised up this uh, through the leadership of Zinzendorf there in Bohemia, that he collected these uh, ones, ran away from religious persecution, and gathered them there in his uh, estate, and began to practice pretty much a, the, a miniature of the beginning of the church life, of a body life, of, say, of, of the believers living together to practice the church life. And one morning, in their breaking of bread, there the Spirit was poured out upon them. So on the corporate side, in the 1720s or so, there was that experience with the Moravian brothers. Then another hundred years later, in England, that God raised up the, the British brethren in the 1820s. And we know, uh, I think we may be more familiar with that, right? The, uh, the Lord uh, raised up these ones like uh, uh, Benjamin Newton, John Nelson Darby, and many of the great teachers of the brethren uh, groups and recover much, much, much the divine truth, and we surely today are standing uh, upon their shoulders very much. Amen. Then praise the Lord, another hundred years later, I don't know about this 20, 20, 20, it's another, the 1920, God came to the virgin soil of China and visited a young man by the name of Watchman Nee. And it's through him, as we know, that he is, you know, he is uh, very much related to us, that he has brought, brought the recovery, of course, mainly in China. And then with his co-worker, uh, Brother Witness Lee. And how, after Brother Nee ministered uh, and served for 30 years, from 1922 to 1952, where he was, when he was imprisoned, and then he sent his co-worker, Witness Lee, out of China due to the political the change of political situation. And Brother Lee was sent to Taiwan, and then from Taiwan in 1962, the Lord sent him further out to the West, to America, until the day he went to be with the Lord. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm not a historian. I, actually, I'm not good at history. Uh, that's one of my worst subjects in school. But I surely love Brother Lee's his history. <laughs> Uh, really, I, you know, I wish we could just sit here and listen to Brother Lee's expounding of the history, and uh, especially, especially in uh, um, uh, the significance in connection with the divine history. Right? This is what is meaningful. Just talk about world history is not, it's not, not, not much uh, 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 you know, meaning there, but how the world history is connected to the divine history. Saying all these things happening, not not by chance, not by accident. We have to know the time, right? 
I just briefly kind of went over with you the last 2,000 years uh, up to our days. And Brother Lee went to be with the Lord already about 17 years uh, since 1997. After ministering here since 1962 in this country until he went to be with the Lord for 35 years, Brother Lee ministered for 30 years in China and uh, Brother Lee went on from there. Uh, and uh, if you count from 52 until the, he went to be with the Lord, that would be uh, um, uh, 40, 40, 45 years. And here we are. Here we are. And then, and this brother, Brother Lee, in 1973, in a conference on the book of Ephesians, some of you have heard that, heard that message. Uh, I think Brother Ray recently heard that. L listen to that again. It was, it was just uh, really, it was, uh, uh, is, is a monumental, is a, is a very significant speaking. There he was touching the matter of the Lord's burden, the spreading the recovery to, from the U.S. U.S. is a stepping stone. U.S. is, a, is a, for the Lord to move from the U.S. Now the, the, through the nursery in China, the Lord's recovery came to America. And, but America is not the end. America is just a bridge. It, America is just a stepping stone for him to go to Europe. And then from Europe, he would reach Israel. Amen. And he mentioned Rome. And he mentioned Jerusalem. He mentioned the, the prayer meeting in Gethsemane. That's what he was speaking in those days. There was nothing in Rome yet. There was nothing in Jerusalem yet. But saints, two years ago, there's now the church in Rome. Amen. And this month, this, uh, this year, in March, there's a church in Jerusalem. And then in 1977, again, when he came to visit this area, after he visited his visit to Europe, he saw, especially here on the East Coast, here in Boston, seeing so many young people are being brought here as a concentration of young people. And he was burdened that there would be a training here to train the young people and then send them to Europe, to Rome, to Italy, to, 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 to Germany, to England. And then eventually to Jerusalem. And I, you know, these, these couple of weeks as I was just uh, reflecting upon that speaking, I, I, I am I'm just at awe, Lord. All these are fulfilled right before our eyes. A brother's burden in 73, a brother's burden in 77 concerning the Lord's recovery spread to Europe, even reaching Jerusalem, is here. It's before us. And even the training. I mean, beyond anyone's imagination, a training actually is here. The full-time training, including the building, is completed. <laughs> you know, there's nothing more left. There's nothing else. Nothing, you know, in, uh, when he, <clears throat> in 1977, that's when he made the call uh, for young people to come up to Boston, especially those on the East Coast, to be trained. And he was burdened to give himself even six months a year to come here to equip the young people and then to send them to Europe. And uh, I was one of those young men, you know, young brothers. In, uh, I was in D.C. and then uh, there are many, many saints, number of saints here. You know, the Lord's recovery uh, first came, a migration first came to Boston in 1973. Uh, several of the brothers here uh, were in that group. And 60 of them came to this city. And the Lord blessed them. And I hope some of them 
may share something later on, that in just a short time, from 60, I think Bill Lawson just recently told me, in the first one year, it doubled. It doubled. And in the, in the short three or four years they were here, the number grew from 660 to 350. 350. And Brother Thomas reminded me of that. That's a, yeah. So there was, and most of them were students, college students. Was, the Lord did a great thing here. So Brother Lee was so burdened that, uh, and he saw, seeing the situation in 77, he sounded a call to bring young people here. And I responded, I among probably 300 plus young people along the East Coast, responded to this call and moved up to this area. Well, the Lord was ready to do something to continue to advance his move, but the enemy also is opposing, frustrating, and just about immediately, just in a, within a year's time, a kind of a dissension, a kind of rebellion was stirred up by the enemy and caused this whole burden to be uh, put aside, right? Even a piece of land was purchased, uh, drawings were made, foundation, with the, the, at least the land was uh, being prepared for that building, but everything stopped because of that rebellion. That was absolutely from the enemy. That was from toward the end of 77, 78, and since that time, brothers and sisters, for 30 years, Boston has been frozen. You may say a 30-year period of time of dormancy, of closeness, of winter. I call this a winter time, a 30 years of winter. Nothing was able to grow. The Lord was not able to move forward. But, praise the Lord, Jesus is still Lord. Amen. God is the victor. Amen. In spite of 30 years of winter, 30 years of dormancy, all of a sudden, in, in 2007, there was a, a fellowship the, uh, among restored with the co-workers and then began to, to have visitation. And then at the end of that year, the Thanksgiving conference was held here in Boston. Right? If some of you remember that. That was a, a very significant, actually, you know, for some general attendance, they may not, may not think of it that much. For, for some who have gone through the 30 years of winter, I think that was a really rejoicing time. Right? At 30 years, now finally, a, 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 a blending conference of the churches uh, is held here in Boston. And then in, any, in 2008, and then we had conducted eight weeks of perfecting training here in the beginning of the year. Co-workers came here every week visiting this area. Saints, I'm, I am, I'd like to talk to you in all, all these matters because I, I am burdened that you would know our history. Amen. You would know what the Lord has, been, has done and what he has been doing in this area. You are here. However, whatever reason you came, you came as trainees, you came as college students, you came as, uh, um, you, know, as uh, uh, you know, as workers sent here to, to work. But you have to know why you are here. Amen. Your being here has a, very, has a very significant meaning. It's in relation to what the Lord wants to carry out. In spite of the 30 years of dormancy and of winter, the Lord finally broke through 
to do something there from, from 2008, from 78 to 2008 was the dormancy and then the, the tree began, begins to sprout in 2008 and many of you start coming, many, many things. Of course, uh, you know, tonight we don't have all the full attendance. Let me just ask you, how many of you came within this, came to this area in the last six years, within, since 78? Can you raise your hands, please? You see? Can you see how many? I mean, nearly at least one-third of the room, <laughs> and probably many of you from California, probably. Um, doesn't matter, but the point is, you can see in these last six years, I know probably, if from, my, from my general knowledge, maybe double this number. Some brothers uh, mentioned maybe 150 plus. 150 plus have moved to this area in these last six or seven years. And I hope, and I don't know whether you have this kind of realization that why you came here. Maybe you thought, oh, it's a job. Oh, you thought it's a school. You thought it's, a, it's your career. No, God brought you here. Amen. God blew you here. And you are here for a very particular cause. Not for your career, not for your wealth, not for your family. You are here for a particular cause. We have a line of, a line of history showing us a God's move, right? In 19, from the 19, uh, beginning of 1500s, 1600s, 1700s. Uh, 16, 20, 720, 1920, 1920, and today we are not quite 2020. I don't know what is going to happen in 2020. Maybe the Lord will come by then. Amen. Right? You have 1520, you have uh, the uh, you know, Reformation, in the 1620, you have the, uh, the uh, 1620 or there about it with the inner life, and then you have... Uh, the, uh, 16, the uh, 1720s with the Moravian brothers, and then 1820s with the British brethren, and 1920 with the brother Watchman Nee. Brother Daniel, what is going, what's going to be in 2020? I don't know. I don't think there will be another Watchman Nee in 2020. Yeah. Jesus will be there in 2020. Or thereabout. I mean... That's why I told the young, uh, the young adults the other, uh, the other week, I am very, very, I don't know, I'm not a prophet. I, I don't want to tell you when the Lord is coming back. But I, I surely have this kind of sensation. It would not be that long. The next 30 years will be a very critical years. It's hard to see beyond, you know, too much longer. But, uh, but the point, I, I, you know, 2020, 2020 2030, uh, it's not far, you know. It's not far. I mean, it's uh, something. Something may happen. We know every century the Lord is something major happened. So, <clears throat> and saints, you have been brought here for what reason? For a job, for a, a higher degree from the best institution, for a spouse, for a career. I hope I, my burden. At least the, what the, I feel what the Lord put within me is to impart this into you. That you will know there is a cause for your being here. Amen. Right? You should have this kind of realization, this kind of recogni recognition. I am here for a cause. Amen. For the cause of God's move. 
for what he wants to do here, especially this strategic place that Brother Lee talked about, prophesied about in 73, especially in 77, being a uh, launching pad, right? Gaining so many college students in this area and then prepare them, train them, and then the Lord may send them forth over to Europe and even to Jerusalem, to Israel. And this, we're already seeing this, this is happening. This is already happening, and more is going to, to be manifested. Amen. So, the Lord's recovery work is continuing, but <clears throat> I do have this uh, 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 somewhat a, a concern, a realization, uh, that, you know, although so many have been brought here uh, in these last six or seven years, but our condition somewhat is like the children of Israel returned from captivity, right? They were in Babylon, and then Cyrus issued the decree, and they, a number of them, responded, and they came back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And you have to realize, probably majority of the ones who came back, they were, not, they were born in Babylon. In those seven years, 70 years, most of the older ones have, have passed on. And it's the younger generation. They came back. They responded to that call. They had the stirring. But they had no idea what Jerusalem looked like. They have no idea what that good land looked like. But they just have a heart to come back. They, they return. And then, as you read, the recovery books, the books of Ezra, the, the book of Nehemiah, that, you know, the state of God's people at that time, even though returned back to the, 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 the ground of oneness, the, con- the condition was not very good. Oh, they got discouraged after, you know, initially it was great to be there, and then after, after a short time, some got discouraged, some got occupied, you know, and then continuing get, getting occupied with their business, uh, getting, just getting uh, frightened by the opposers, they're th- being threatened of their life, you know, what are you, can, what are you trying to build, you know, you can, whatever you try to do is going to be uh, uh, torn down, and all the threatening, so the people's heart was, uh, was uh, cooled. So, <clears throat> you know, God raised up uh, initially through the leadership of uh, uh, Zerubbabel, right, and Joshua, and uh, that was a great beginning. And then he had to bring in the prophets Haggai and Zechariah and so forth to encourage, to strengthen the hands of the people. Don't remain in your sealed houses, right? You have to, you have to take care of God's building. This is what you come, he- come back here for. Amen. And especially then Nehemiah, this is why I come to this point, this next uh, point, being properly aggressive for the Lord's move. And Nehemiah, he was a cupbearer for the king, for the king there in the Gentile land. He had a good job, a secure job, and although he was not in a high position, but he had a good job. Yet one day when he inquired, inquired of someone, came back from Jerusalem, and he inquired of them about the condition there, and he heard that the city was still in devastation. And God's people were still scattered, were still in, not in a very good state. And Nehemiah was burdened. He took up the burden upon himself. I must go. Amen. He requested of the king for the leave. He was not... It, the Bible didn't tell us that he first prayed about 
He prayed about this. As soon as he heard that news, he became burdened. He picked up that burden. I must go. His countenance was, well, his countenance dropped as he was before the king, and the king asked him, "What's wrong? You're not ill, but you seem to be not happy." Then he made he made known to him what was on his heart. He was bothered. He was troubled. Something, you know, he must go back. He must. He wants to go, and he took a leave. Nehemiah, if you study, if you go to read the life study of, of Nehemiah, that, uh, Nehemiah was the top, the top leader in the whole Old Testament. He was aggressive, and his aggressiveness was proper. He was not waiting for God to inspire him, to, to speak to him. He took up that burden himself, volunteered to go up, to t- because he cannot stand. That God's, the, the city wall is still not built. The testimony is still not established. Even though God's people returned, but the condition was in disarray, was in discouragement. He realized that uh, the priests, the Levites, their support was not being taken care of. And then nobody seemed to care. Everybody just, they returned. They are, they are on the ground, so to speak, on the proper ground. But there was no heading up. There was no building up. So many of, the, many of the people lost heart of why they were there. And somewhat I feel these days, I just opened up my heart to you. I feel um, I don't really consider this as a message as such, as maybe as just a talk, just to fellowship with you. I feel, brothers and sisters, by, by whatever reason the Lord has brought us here, uh, you know, that we have to see this is, uh, that we are here today, not accidentally, but it's all together under God's sovereign hand, sovereign arrangement. It is related to what he wants to build up as a testimony in this area. When Nehemiah was, he picked up the burden to return, he realized these are not just Jews, the, the, the Hebrew, going returning to the proper ground. They must be built up as a nation, right? As a nation of Israel. So, it's not good enough just to be back to the ground, brothers and sisters. We are here to to be established, to raise up God's testimony. A strong testimony in the Boston area. In some way, I, I, I feel we are, uh, we are not quite there. The people are here. And even many outward conditions have been satisfied. Right? The training, training finally came. I mean, in just a short time, in, in, we started the full-time training in 2011. It's, this is our fourth year, believe it or not. I mean, the, 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 in 2007, 2008, the churches began, the, the oneness of being restored among the churches here. The oneness and one accord, which has been lost for so many years in that isolation, in that, in that winter, and now just in a short time, in a short time, the oneness of the churches was restored to the degree, to the point that, that a full-time training can be brought here. Can you believe that or not? 
I mean, when I mentioned this, when I mentioned to some brother, many many things, they cannot believe it. It cannot happen. Are you are you are you are you joking? Are you? How can this be? You know, the fellowship just returned, just just restored in two thousand eight. 2007, and the full-time training came, and we didn't want to even wait till the finish of the building. We have to start the training now, yeah. even borrowing this meeting hall, and we, we borrowed uh, you know, the uh, uh, boss at, at the, the Newton meeting hall. We have to get the trainees here. You know, we started in 2011. And finally, this year, the building, even the physics, is completed. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's, what a wonderful thing. But you have to see God is the one who has been doing this. Amen. Beyond anyone, any, any person's, any person's credit, any person's ability, no one is able to turn around the situation like this. In six or seven short years, it's nearly like death rising to life. Amen. Resurrecting. Amen. Sprouting. But even though, however, those sprouting, we still don't be satisfied with this so-called positive condition. There's no negative elements anymore. There's no isolation anymore. The fellowship is open. But saints, I hope all of us who have been brought here, you need to know the cause. You have been, you have been come back, you have come back to the proper ground to build, to build up this testimony, to be raised up as this nation, right? As a nation, to represent, to express, and represent God. Now, if you read the life study of Nehemiah, dear brotherly uh, said quite clearly, in the Lord's move to recover the testimony of his house, signified by the temple, and of his kingdom, signified by the city, there is the need of three sections of work. Number one, coming back from the captivity, that is division, to Jerusalem, that is oneness, to lay a foundation for the nation of Israel, the church. This is the need of a proper administration, a proper government that was led by Zerubbabel. There is, is need of a coming back, a people, the latest foundation to be raised up as a nation. And number two, teaching and education to bring God's people into a culture that is according to God. As I said, the ones who return, they were born in Babylon, they were educated in Babylon, they ate, in ba ate Babylonian fish, uh, uh, dishes and fruits. They in every way, in and out, inside, outside, they're all Babylonish. They could not even speak the language of, of Judah that well. So Nehemiah realized this. In order to raise up the nation of Israel, he uh, 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 borrowed Ezra's help to who is a priestly scribe to educate God's children, God's people at that time, to teach them, to educate them, so that now they will understand God's law, they understand the, the, the language of Judah, no longer just the speaking the Babylonian language, and then number three, to constitute the nation, the church, organically. That means now... This is uh, probably a, uh, uh, the toughest job, is to reconstitute a nation, a people, that this group of returned Israelites, they will be God-men. They will intrinsically, they will not, will not be only Jews by name, but intrinsically, 
they will be reconstituted with another culture, right? To in their being to express and represent the nation of Israel. Amen. I was touched by these three things very much: the administration or the government, and secondly, the education, and number three, reconstitution. This is this is what we need. We need a proper heading up. We need the adequate education, the spiritual education, and also a reconstitution to make us the proper God-man that expresses and represents our triune God on this earth. Be says Nehemiah, one who voluntarily offered himself to God for his move, being an example of being properly aggressive for the Lord's move. Number one, he inquired about, was touched by, and responded to the devastated conditions of the holy city and volunteered himself to his burden. Right? He volunteered himself to his burden. He was not waiting for someone to press the burden on him. He volunteered himself to that burden upon hearing the devastated condition of the holy city. Number two, in our aggressiveness, we need to allow our natural virtues and capacities to be brought through the cross into resurrection. Of course, God needs our, uh, our aggressiveness, but not the natural aggressiveness. God needed Moses, like what we saw yesterday, but not in his natural education, not in his natural energy. God rather would wait for another 40 years. So to bring Moses through death and resurrection, so that at the age of 80, when he totally gave up, whatever he naturally wanted to do, then God showed him. He was just a thorn bush to be available to him to carry the divine flame. Amen. That's what God needs. God does not need the exercise of your natural energy, ability, but God needs you to be available to him, to be an open channel for him to flow through you, for him to burn in you and upon you, to carry the divine flame. Amen. All our natural virtues and capacities need to be brought through the cross into resurrection. And number three, Nehemiah's aggressiveness was accompanied by his other characteristics. He has a number of very positive uh, 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 characteristics. One, he loved God. Two, he loved the Holy Land. That's a type of Christ. And he loved the Holy Temple. That is the church. He loved the holy city, Amen. the kingdom of God. And see, he contacted God by praying to God. Nehemiah, on the one hand, he volunteered himself. He gave himself to his burden. But also inwardly, at the same time, he was praying to God, contacting God. He did not just do things in a light way, in a loose way. On the one hand, we did say he volunteered himself to his burden, but at the same time, he was contacting God. He was praying to God. Then D, he trusted God. He said, God's good hand is with me. So even though there were many discouraging uh, words by the opposers threatening him and so on and so forth, he trusted in God. He said, we go, I, we go up under God's good hand, covering me, all the way, protecting me from all these uh, attacks, uh, opposition. And E, he became one with God. So Nehemiah was such a wonderful person, although he was 
uh, aggressive, but not naturally. He had these uh, proper characteristics as ones who loved God, who loved the holy city, the church, the kingdom. He contacted God. He trusted in God and becoming one with God. The Lord needed this kind of person to cooperate with him for his move, even for the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of the city. Now it comes to us, point C, our need today to be properly aggressive for the Lord's move. Saints, <clears throat> how about us? Right? The Lord has brought us back here. Uh, many have fine, good homes, nice homes, good jobs, nice schools, good prospects of your education and your career. But how about God's move? How about God's move? That if we, we need to know, we need to align our being here to God's move. Not just to our career, to our personal gain, but to what God wants to carry out on this earth and, particular, and particularly in this strategic area. It's not a small thing for Brother Lee to speak what he did. Right, concerning Boston and an area, as we all know, this is such an area full of young people. The Lord must gain thousands and thousands of young people, college age, of these campuses. Over 300,000 college students going to school in this greater Boston area. We all know that. But do we have a feeling for this? Do we have a burden for this? Or do we, are we just uh, mainly content with, uh, oh, we are in Boston now, it's a nice area. It's a good church life. Everything is peaceful, quiet, you know. Uh, if that's all, then we miss the purpose. We miss the point, right? There is a cause, and we will live our life without a cause. Paul prayed for this cause, that God would strengthen us, right, for his move. And so there are several points I'd like to share with you. This is related to us. We need to realize that deadness, lukewarmness, and barrenness are our habitual enemies, which are against the Lord's move. These three things, I'd like to um, uh, lay this before you. Brother Lee spoke this in the training of the vital groups. He presented these two, three matters, and he called them our habitual enemies. Deadness, number one, and lukewarmness, number two, and barrenness, number three. So, <clears throat> we have to know who our enemies are. Our enemies are even not the world. Our enemies are not Satan directly so much. It is our deadness, our lukewarmness, and our barrenness. And they have, these are our habitual enemies. It just, it, it, it is, if we are not exercised, if we are not uh, uh, living in the spirit, just habitually we fall into this kind of situation of deadness. We're just getting used to this now. We're getting used to being dead. We're getting used to being lukewarm. We're getting used to being barren. When was the last time you considered, Lord, it's not normal for me to have no fruit for, for several years, Lord. I have not brought one person to you, Lord. I mean, there was no sensation. So it seems that we have become numb about this. So it has become a habitual enemies. And this kind of habitual enemies is even, even more, more, more scary more uh, than just a kind of a sudden enemy. Someone just come and attack us. This enemy is just habitually 
little by little, just eating at us. These three things. Deadness, lukewarmness, barrenness. God hates deadness. We know in the Old Testament, anyone who touch a dead body will be kept away, separated from God's people for a week. Because God hates. God is a God of the living. He's a, he is the living God. He hates anything of deadness. And what is the characteristic of being dead? Well, don't they, oh, I'm pretty alive. I sing, I can shout, I can praise the Lord. The real characteristic of not being dead is that you have feelings. A dead person has no feelings. Right? Yes, we may shout, we may praise, we may jump. But it should be because inwardly our spirit is jumping. Amen. It's not just outwardly everybody jumps, so I jump. You have no feel yet. You don't have a feeling. We always use the leaf, you know, dropped in a stream. Just, the leaf just flows wherever the stream carries it. It has no, nothing, it has no way to resist, no way to, to, to uh, do otherwise. But if a living person, he put me, then he'll try to swim upward, try to fight against it. There should be a sensation within us. Deadness means that there's a loss of sensation, right? Loss of sensitivity. So, <clears throat> even whether we are quiet, we are with a function, loud, or, or, or what, we are full of sensitivity. We know we are, the Lord is within us. He is the one who tells me to say, praise the Lord. Amen. He is the one for me to just listen. Listen to what others are saying. We are living people. We have a living God within us. Yeah. We are not dead. We are not just a religious keeping a kind of a dead ritual. We saw this in Revelation 3.1. The Lord Jesus told them, Your name in name you are living, but you are dead. You are religious keeping all your routines. By name you are living, but in actuality you are dead. And God abhors deadness. And how about lukewarmness? Lukewarmness in, in uh, 3.16 in Revelation with the church in Laodicea, the Lord says, right, I wish you are either cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. That means I will spit you out. You, I don't, it's, you know, how do you like to drink uh, lukewarm Coca-Cola? <laughs> right? That's the worst thing to drink, is a lukewarm Coca-Cola. It's either hot or cold. I, like, I, don't mind. I, I drank hot Coca-Colas before. <laughs> it's not bad. There's some lemon in it. But lukewarm Coca-Cola is terrible. And God's, the Lord says, you, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. That means what is lukewarm? Lukewarm is just that you're not, you, you cannot say you're not for the Lord. You're for the Lord, but you are not burning. There's no fire. Right? You are regular. You are, you, are, you, are, you are nominal. You are regular. But there's no fire. Saints, I, I'm just burdened. I know, I know this is a good... I, I know this is Ken's word. It's fire, right? He likes fireball. But I, I really... I, this, it's not just a word. Saints, we need fire. Oh, I think in our, by ourselves, when we're coming together, we need fire. We need the... 
We are thorn bushes, but we carry the fire. In ourselves, we are nothing. We are not engine. We are not motors. But there is a flame sitting upon us. The Lord says, I came to cast fire to this earth. How he wished to see it, it burns. Boston needs fire. There needs to be a Boston fire. Again. A real fire. A spiritual fire to ignite so many campuses, so many college students. When you walk around the campuses, when you walk around the Longwood area, don't you have your heart just cry out, Lord, how you want to gain all these young ones who are created in your image. How you must gain them, Lord. We cannot be lukewarm with a kind of a couldn't care less, everything's okay, every, you know, I go to Australia a lot. You know when the, the typical saying in Australia, this Australian said, everything, it'll be all right, mate. <laughs> it'll be all right, mate. And it'll be all right, everything will be all right, you know. It, many times I told the saying, you're like a koala, koala bear, you know. A koala, a very comfortable, you know, very uh, uh, cozy, just saying, you know, just, uh, you know, sleeping, you know, very, very nice to cuddle. It'll be all right, mate. Yeah. You know. You know, heaven comes down. You'll be all right, mate. It was just not a desperation. Saints, the Lord needs to have a fire within us. Right? It's not all right. Right? It's not all right. Praise the Lord. The churches are in fellowship, in oneness, in one accord. The trainees are here. The training center is here. Everything is, is there. Everything is in place. But Lord, we need you to move. We need you to advance. Are we satisfied with just a present condition? No. We have to first know, know this age, know the times. We also need to know why we are here. The cause, why we are here. I don't want to make this a you know, Boston essay, you know, to, to make it stand up, but it does have a particular interest the Lord has in this area as compared to many places. And also the enemy, from the viewpoint of the enemy, it is also the most hot-hit area of all, all the cities on the earth. So there's a battle here. There's, a spiritual, there's God's interest here. And there's a spiritual battle we need to engage here. So we need to, we need to have the, ask the Lord, Lord, burn me. Lord, just set me ablaze. Rekindle me. Right? So whenever we come together, whether we sing, when we sing, when we pray, there should be a fire. There should be a sense of something. There is a, you know, you can hear a difference. I can, you know, one can pray, offer a nice, good, very formal, uh, nicely composed prayers, but no fire, right? As opposed to someone just couldn't even get a sentence together, but the fire burns. You just get singed by, the, that, that is, by his, you know, by his... Uh, you know, uh, uh, irregular words, you know, non-grammatical words, you know. But just, you're just sent by the touch, by the fire by this person. Then you have the matter of barrenness, right? Barrenness. In Luke 15, the Lord addressed this. Any, the, as we are branches of the vine, the Lord expects us to bear fruit. If we don't bear fruit, eventually the Lord says, it will be cut off. Not eternally in perdition, but cut off from the enjoyment of the divine flow. So, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, how about these three matters? 
right? Deadness, lukewarmness, and barrenness. I better move on. Number two, let no one despise your youth, but be a pattern to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Although I mean, a number of saints here are older, but I think, I, I, I believe many of the saints here, most of the saints here are younger. And I'd like to give this word to you. Do not let anyone despise your youth. You treasure your youth. Praise the Lord, you are still in your 20s. Praise the Lord, you are still in your 30s. And very, you have a very good chance that the Lord will come back in your lifetime. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Don't let, oh, oh, there are some older saints who have been faithfully serving here. They are always so, so faithful, always so uh, 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 exercised, giving themselves, and then you take a back seat. No, you should not. Yes, there has been, the Lord has, has gained many faithful brothers who have been standing here for all, through thick and thin, through all these years. We thank the Lord for these brothers and sisters. But now you have, the Lord brought in a new generation, a younger generation. Don't let anyone to despise your youth. Amen. The Lord needs many young adults, many young ones here, fully know, knowing the times today, and knowing the cause for which they are being sent here. And you don't let anyone to despise your youth. You would rise up, not overrun anybody, but you are here you don't allow anyone to despise your youth. You have a function. You have a cause. You are here to, for God's interest, Amen. for God's move. Amen. Now, three says, exercising ourselves unto godliness by exercising our spirit in our daily living. To counter our, li- our deadness, brothers and sisters, we need to, like Paul says, we need to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Don't let your spirit go dead. Always have to exercise ourselves. Well, you know, as, as I said, to be not dead doesn't mean you just do a lot of crazy things. The key thing is that, is your spirit alive? Is your spirit sensitized? Every day we need to exercise ourselves unto godliness. That means the living out of God, the expression of God. By living in our spirit, walking according to the spirit, by being willing to be led by the spirit, all the time, whatever we do, whatever we say, we are conscious, sensitive to the spirit who is living within us. Even in our singing, in our giving a testimony, speaking to, a, to someone sitting nearby in, at, at, the, at the bus station, because the spirit is speaking to you and you are one with that spirit. You're not ignoring him. You're willing to be led by the spirit. You live a life according to the Spirit. Amen. This will keep your spirit alive. Right? Then, number four, fanning into flame the gift of God in us by releasing our spirit. Saints, <clears throat> you need to fan into flame. Yes, on the one hand, the fire will, will come to you. God is the flame. But on the other hand, as Paul charged Timothy, you have to fan into flame. Right? You, fight, you feel that, oh, my flame is a little bit, uh, you know, dying out, a little dimming. Well, you have to do some fanning Amen. by releasing the Spirit. Amen. On the one hand, we, know how, we should know how to exercise our Spirit, even in our listening to people, in pre- speaking something to people, handling things. We are still exercising our Spirit. But also, there is the need of releasing our Spirit. Amen. Right? Let your Spirit be released. Especially when we come together in the meetings. Don't, don't stay bound up like Lazarus. You need someone to, un, to unwind you. 
Oh, let your spirit flow. Let your spirit be released. It's okay to shout once in a while. Just to break out of our niceness, with our gentlemanness, with our ladiness, whatever that is. Sometimes we are just so nice, so all, everything, every word is just right. Every sentence is perfectly composed. It's okay to make some mistakes. It's okay to lose our face. But let the spirit loose. Let the spirit be released. So that the fire can burn. So that, you know, the air, you have to, if the fire fire is going to burn, you need to allow the air to come in. Oh, Saints, I, 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 I'm just burdened that, you know, in our, the Lord would recover this among us in our coming together, especially big gathering, small gathering. Let your spirit flow. Amen. Release the spirit. Right? And then I better go on. Number five, going against our disposition in order to practice the God-ordained way. Why I put this here? Going against our disposition. Because our nature, we like to just be comfortable, be... Uh, according to our convenience, we need to be willing to go against our disposition. Our disposition may be quiet. Our disposition may be passive. Right? If, in order to be properly aggressive, we have to just go against your disposition. You don't like to speak. You don't like to, to stand up. You don't like to uh, 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 testify. You don't like to, to preach the gospel. Go against your nature. Go against your disposition. Stand one with the Spirit. Then, to practice the God-ordained way in these areas, I put out four, four points here. Going to the Lord to be enlightened by Him every morning. Like Ephesians 5, 14 says, Sleeper, awake! Let Christ shine upon you. Every morning, we have to awake. Don't sleep anymore. Allow Christ to shine on you. Let Him shine into your being. Exposing all the negative things still in us. We need to go to the Lord every day. No one can do this for us. But every morning, we must go to the Lord. And B, building up the habit of contacting people. I know there are some people who don't like to, you're not too free, people friendly. You like to stay to yourself. Well, the God, is, the God who is in you is very people friendly. Right? You have that he loves people. So we have to ask God, Lord, I don't like people. You know, I still remember your brother Josh. I still had to use your testimony. He's a third-year trainee freshman, fresh, just started. He just, when he joined the first term training two years ago, he came to Diamond Bar. I still remember his testimony. I asked him to, to share his. He just, last minute, he signed up for the training. He was not intending to come to the training. And he just said, if I'm wrong, you can, you can correct me. He said, I have no interest in people. I don't like people. I, I don't know why I'm here. Right? I, I don't care. I don't care about you guys. I only care about myself. Something like that, right? And he only intended to be there for one term, and, he's a, and now he's in the third year training. Hallelujah. The God who loved people is in him. Amen. And making him full of fondness to people. Saints, don't, go, don't, don't, don't depend, look to your natural disposition. You must open yourself to the Lord. Let him, let his love fill you, his love for men. And see, which is, I think, very critical, brothers and sisters, getting together with your companions to form small, vital groups to shepherd new ones, young ones, and backslidden ones. There are many, many new ones, many 
uh, uh, backslidden ones, weak ones, in this whole area. The Lord needs to use us, use many young families, single ones. If we know our cause, if we know what time it is today, that we will rise up to give the Lord the cooperation to get together with two or three other companions, begin to pray, begin to look to the Lord, how to shepherd these new ones. I like to see not the so-called, so-called regular God, uh, church-arranged small group meetings. I'd like to see so many of you just by twos and threes coming together in your neighborhood. You pick up a burden to care for one or two students in your area. You know, if, if there are, say, 300 saints in this area, huh? if there are 300 saints in this area, there should be, I would say there should be um, 200, 100, 100 such little small vital groups. The whole Boston area. I don't know how many are here, right? How many so-called small groups. But I'm talking especially these small vital groups by twos and threes. You are just burdened for people. And you begin to pray. You know, and, and I just consider that we have, we have uh, 36 trainees this term. Third-year trainees. And we have another full-timers, about 14, uh, 17. More than 50 full-time serving ones. If, let's say, even if there are 50 such little vital groups, and one, one each one of the full-time serving ones can just join in to help to even to bring through their daily laboring on the campus to bring some student into the homes. We don't rely on the big meetings. We need to build up all the small group meetings. This is the lifeline of the church. The more the better. The smaller the better. We don't want to see our small group become small district. You know, I know back home, my group is going to be nearly 30 people. So the Lord has to come in to, to break it down. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, you know, we have to small but vital. Right? Then we will be able to produce. Anyway, I, I, I don't think I can speak more. Um, I don't have the time. And then D, functioning and serving in the church life for the building up of the church. For your properly aggressive, proper aggressiveness, saints, you must come to the meeting, and when you come to the meeting, participate in your functioning, in the serving in the church life. Even in your singing, you know, don't wait till 7.30. If the meeting starts at 7.30, don't just hang around in the hallway. If it's not 7.30 yet, well, this is the meeting. You come in, and just by even by 5 or 10, you begin to enjoy the Lord, begin to praise the Lord. We function, we exercise, we speak to overflow. We love to sing that song a lot in, in the, in the uh, uh, years before. We come to exhibit Christ. This is what we do. We come to, we come to exhibit Christ to one another. It's, uh, it's really refreshing. when We come to just receive Christ from one another. And then finally, just last point, which is very crucial, which, which I will touch more tomorrow, cultivating a spirit of prayer. I hope in the churches in Boston area, it will be filled with the spirit of prayer. Amen. Just like Brother Lee did in the first three weeks, praying for three weeks to allow the spirit to move. The Lord needs to recover among us such a strong, prevailing spirit of prayer. Amen. Prayer meeting is not a formality. We don't just wait till Tuesday night, 7.30, you come to pray. 
When you step into the meeting hall, you, you know, you're already in the praying spirit. You don't have to be listening. You don't have to wait till someone tell you what to pray. You pray. You're full of the praying spirit. This is what the Lord needs in our cooperation. To be, pro, to be uh, 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 properly aggressive, to cooperate with him. Sorry, I took a little longer. I still, I think, give the rest of the time for the saints to, to uh, share something, to confirm and whatever. I hope some of the brothers who were, have been here longer, even maybe stood in a short way, to just uh, encourage, encourage all of us with this word. Okay. Good one speak, one standing, so that we won't waste time. Okay. Turkey's position is to sit down a chair. The chair in the meeting hall is very comfortable.